and welcome to Eyes on Southeast Asia. Today's episode is a special conversation with the Nobel laureate Jose Ramos Horta. He led his country to independence and once served as the president of Timor-Leste. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for his work toward a just and peaceful solution to the conflict in East Timor. Today, uh, we are very uh, fortunate and honored to have with us uh, an old friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jose Ramos Horta. And I have to tell you, this is an interesting, for those who don't know, uh, this is uh, an interesting meeting uh, between me and Jose Ramos Horta because uh, I'll be very honest with you, uh, he was my opponent. Uh, in fact, he was my enemy. Uh, I kid you not, you know, when I was a, a junior diplomat, uh, I had the East Timor desk and uh, my, my job was uh, to handle uh, uh, East Timor affairs. We call it Timor Timor back then. And he was on the opposite side, uh, obviously, and, and we considered him uh, the, the enemy, right? But this is how wonderful the world is. Uh, today, he's not just a friend, but uh, he's a brother to me. Uh, uh, we call each other all the time. I've been to his home. Uh, in fact, uh, we uh, regard him as a family. Yeah, um, And he knows that very well. And But more than that, uh, he's actually also a customer. My wife has a dental office uh, and my wife knows every inch of his teeth, <laughs> his mouth, right? Because he's a customer uh, and very good customer. Uh, you know, uh, so so look forward to uh, meeting him uh, many more times. But but it's really an honor to know an incredible person. Uh, he used to be uh, uh, the president of uh, Timor Leste. Uh, he won the Nobel uh, uh, Peace Prize uh, in uh, two thousand six. Uh, sorry, in nineteen ninety six. Um, he was also minister for foreign affairs, uh, prime minister also for Timor Leste. Uh, he chaired the UN high-level panel on peace operations. He was the special rep and head of the UN uh, integrated peace building office in, in Guinea-Bissau. Uh, but um, uh, he's really a, a, a rare breed, you know, an extraordinary person, uh, a great diplomat, a dedicated uh, peacemaker, uh, and most of all, uh, 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 an extraordinary son of uh, uh, Timor Leste. So uh, with that, uh, I would like to uh, invite uh, Dr. Ramos Horta, uh, who, by the way, for Indonesians who are not aware, uh, is running in the presidential elections, uh, which is coming this Saturday. Uh, you know, I, I wish uh, I could uh, be there to to watch the elections. Uh, we have a habit of uh, visiting elections in some ASEAN countries, uh, uh, but uh, I'm sure it's going to be a, a peaceful and successful elections. Yeah. So best of luck uh, to you, uh, Dr. Ramasorta, and also other candidates. Uh, and let me invite you to uh, have an, your opening remarks, uh, and then we'll follow up with a conversation. Yeah. Please, Dr. Horta. Uh, thank you, Dino, uh, for once again uh, hosting me. Uh, some time ago, we, you and I, co-host the Myanmar Forum uh, in April uh, last year, and uh, I have participated with you uh, in other forums, like uh, in Jakarta itself, some three years ago. And uh, so thank you for uh, this uh, platform once again. I thank uh, 
Alicia uh, for uh, joining and uh, Christine Hakim, uh, uh, Dr. Rosa for joining and all the staff of foreign policy community in Indonesia for doing such a remarkable uh, uh, initiative and that is becoming uh, a huge success uh, across Southeast Asia. Uh, we, our people, are going to vote uh, this Saturday. We have uh, many international observers, in particular, uh, large delegation observers from the CPLT countries, the community of Portuguese-speaking countries. Uh, uh, they are here, and actually the head of the delegation is in this room. And uh, in this room, there are many uh, invited guests, uh, many degrees, members of parliament, members of government, and uh, so on. Uh, they're all here. And, uh, and we have been covered by our major TV uh, and network. And uh, uh, so far, the uh, campaign period and uh, prior to the official campaign period and uh, during this period, it has been remarkably peaceful, except for some uh, incidents uh, that primarily involve uh, not the CNRT, not me, uh, my campaign, but involve uh, other uh, campaigns, uh, particularly and uh, strangely enough, between uh, two parties that are in the current uh, coalition government. Uh, the, uh, some, uh, physical violent incidents and so on, but uh, minor in the scale of the situation in uh, Timor-Leste. A question might be asked, and I have been asked, uh, why after 10 years absent from politics, of, of active engagement, why I decide to run again? Well, uh, although uh, we are rated by Freedom House in Washington, or because we are rated by Freedom House in Washington as uh, the best functioning democracy in Southeast Asia. My apologies to the Indonesian friends, but uh, yeah, we are actually rated number one. Number two is Indonesia. Uh, at least once we are beating Indonesia uh, on this. Uh, but uh, because of that, uh, but because of our, our own uh, strong uh, belief, adherence to what we have. You know, we might not be a rich country, we are not, we might not be good in doing uh, uh, many things, but uh, our people have a profound uh, uh, adherence to the freedom that we want, to the democracy that we want to establish here. So, any leader who appears to be, and worse than appearing to be, that actually uh, engage in practices that violate the sacred uh, principles of our own constitution, uh, has a strong reaction. The reaction obviously is not violent. Our people have been incredibly patient for the last uh, three years witnessing the outgoing president, I'm saying outgoing because even if he's elected, well, he's 
outgoing from the current term, he's running again, where uh, the president uh, uh, committed a direct affront uh, to our uh, constitution. What is our constitution? We have a political system that is called semi-presidential system. It is not uh, similar to Singapore, Fiji, or other uh, situations whereby the president is actually, without offense, uh, figurehead. It is a semi-presidential system, similar to uh, the one in uh, Portugal, in Cape Verde, in Israel, it is, it is similar, whereby the president has certain powers. But in the semi-presidential system, the, the executive authority, the executive powers rest with the prime minister. Unlike in Indonesia, United States, Philippines, where you have a, a presidential system, the president is actually the executive authority. What happened during the last uh, few years? Uh, the president uh, exceeded his uh, powers established in the constitution, whereby he is obliged to invite the leader of the most voting party, the most voted party, or the leader of a majority alliance, having consulted with members uh, in the parliament uh, uh, to be the prime minister and swear in him and to form the government. The government is formed from the majority in the parliament because it's the parliament that make it viable any government. Uh, and that is uh, our system. However, uh, the leader of the coalition in 2018 election was our uh, brother, Mr. Shanana Gutnow, uh, whom all of you uh, know, everyone knows, uh, around the region in the world, uh, charismatic, uh, uh, revered by our people. So he was the leader. However, he ceded prime ministership to Tao Matalua, former president, former head of the army. And uh, they presented a cabinet list to the president under our constitution. The president simply swear in the prime minister, which he did, and swear in the cabinet. That's all he has to do, all he can do. However, the president, who is also president of the friendly party, decided uh, not to swear in seven cabinet members from CNRP party and two from uh, member of the coalition. So that's what set in motion a series of continuing violations of the constitution exceeding his powers. I watched from outside. Uh, I advise the current president, please, this is not your authority. You cannot do that. So then the uh, situation went on. He violated second time, third time, and uh, our people remain incredibly patient. So, uh, but uh, then there is a movement uh, pushed me to run for president. I, it took me two years since the first contact was made to me. And I accepted when Mombot uh, Shanana, in English it's called our older brother, we call Mombot, approached me, his party, and uh, asked me to run for president again. So here I am. 
We celebrating on the 20th of May as we inaugurate a new president, midnight 19th May. We celebrate the 20th anniversary since the independence uh, that was celebrated worldwide with the president of Bill Clinton, Prime Minister of Australia, President, Prime Minister of Portugal, Secretary General of the UN, the late Kofi uh, uh, Annan, uh, and the Ibu Mega from Indonesia also was present in our uh, celebration, May 20, 2002. So it has been two years of a democratic experiment that has been uh, actually lauded, uh, uh, defined as a dynamic and one of the best. And we live peacefully, uh, Timor-Leste remains an oasis of tranquility in Southeast Asia and in Asia. We don't have a, uh, ethnic-based, religious-based uh, conflicts, zero. Uh, we have an incredible, uh, successful policy of national reconciliation. And as you know, uh, with Indonesia as well. And all of this has been inspired, guided by Mombot Shanana Guzman. And uh, under Shanana Guzman government, 2007-2017, it was the leader of his coalition. The country has seen extraordinary economic growth. At some point, we had 13% growth, average was 8%, 9%, and uh, mushrooming of uh, infrastructures, of business, of trade, and so on. And uh, finally, when my remarks were here, we are uh, on the eve, and I say eve doesn't mean tomorrow, I say on the eve, we can be next year or two years' time, in joining ASEAN. And uh, again, uh, uh, I want to say here, in sincere appreciation to our friends in Indonesia, uh, past presidents and current, uh, started with uh, Guzdur, whom I knew when he was, uh, when I was, uh, uh, Sometime in Paris in the 80s, Guzdur was there and we met. So Guzdur came to Timor Leste, then Ibu Mega came, and then our great friend Susilo Vamanguidiono uh, came three times, I think, at least three times. And I have met with uh, Susilo uh, SBE uh, a number of times. And the President Jokoyo came, I met with President Jokoyo in Jakarta. Uh, I think more than once in different capacities, not as president, because by the time Jokoyo was uh, became uh, was elected, I was already uh, former president, and I met in uh, different circumstances. Uh, so we have an exceptionally good relationship, more or less, in Indonesia, and the two countries are an inspiring example to others in the region, in Southeast Asia, in Asia in general. And even in the Middle East, where I have been to more than once, in Israel, in Jordan, in Lebanon, and when I speak about Timor-Leste Indonesia relationship, everybody's surprised in the Middle East. And uh, so it is a, a very positive note in that regard. Our people are going to vote Saturday. If I win, it means I will carry a heavy wooden cross supported by tens of thousands of people in this country, and I hope the international community to restore 
the constitutional principles and practices in our country. And then for the next five years, working with the government that I hope it will be led by Mombots and Anonymous Mount, uh, we will uh, uh, do a jumpstart uh, our economy. A bit later on, I'm happy to talk more about yeah. ASEAN membership, about economics, about food security uh, uh, in the region, etc. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Horta. And uh, we wish you all the best uh, for your uh, elections uh, in 2000, uh, sorry, uh, on this coming Saturday. And please send my best regards also to uh, Sanana Guzmao. Uh, he is well loved uh, by many in Indonesia. And I, I think um, there's no doubt that you're joining the presidential race uh, this year raises uh, the quality of the uh, elections uh, campaign. So best of luck uh, from us. Uh, I, I want to ask you a question about, uh, you know, Indonesia and Timor-Leste had a very difficult and painful and even bitter uh, history. As I told you, we consider each other enemies yeah, in the, in, in the past, yeah, our adversaries, uh, opposing sides. But, but uh, it's also a rare place where both sides uh, reconcile. Uh, they uh, got together in a forward-looking and positive mindset and, and change their relationship. Right? And that doesn't happen any uh, too often around the world. Yeah? Uh, uh, in many places, uh, conflicts uh, remain there, uh, even though there was a political solution and, and hatred uh, and resentment is passed on to generations. I, I'm just wondering from your side, what do you think went right in terms of Indonesia, Timor-Leste relations, because you know, every time I went there after the referendum, uh, there was no hatred, uh, there was no, you know, uh, one revenge and, and and things like that. From from what I saw, yeah. But what do you think ha happened? Uh, how did it happen? Yeah. The, uh, I would say uh, one throughout uh, the course of the struggle for independence, never once. Timorese resistant leaders ever attempted to demonize Indonesia as a people or demonize Islam, being uh, Indonesia's largest majority Muslim country in the world. Because in some uh, situations, like in the Balkans, uh, the conflict in Serbia, Kosovo, and uh, many others, uh, political leaders uh, use. Uh, sometimes very old, centuries old uh, uh, history uh, to demonize the other side. The, uh, the genocide in Bosnia committed by uh, Serbia, led by Mil Milosevic, they went back and uh, dig up problems that happened 800 years ago and uh, uh, demonized the Kosovo, the Muslims, the Bosnians, and uh, we end up with a genocide. In Rwanda, it's the same. Uh, it was uh, political leaders, even uh, some religious leaders. Well, in our case, even in the wars of the time during the struggle for independence, never any leader uh, tried to demonize. So the people were not brainwashed, were not conditioned to think uh, evil about people. Uh, so, 
And besides, uh, when Shanana was uh, detained in 1992 and served seven years, uh, eight years in prison in uh, Jakarta, Sipinam, Shanana being Shanana, super charismatic, uh, he won over all the sympathy of the Indonesian media, even during the Suwaku era uh, of the Indonesian people. And as he himself, he told us, uh, he learned to love Indonesian people, Indonesia in prison in Indonesia. With his incredible authority uh, that derives from his uh, leadership of the struggle and his personality, he is one who led our people First, national reconciliation, which has been also tremendously successful, and the reconciliation with Indonesia. On the other side, the Indonesian side responded with, uh, I would say the best word I find is in French, uh, with auteur, uh, and with a height, you know, uh, with, a, uh, with a show of a statemanship of mature country, mature society, in that Indonesia didn't, didn't turn around and say, you know, you want independence, so be it, and uh, turn it back on us. Quite the opposite, Indonesia responded, walked halfway. And uh, so this is what admirable about to, uh, this relationship, more or less than Indonesia. And uh, uh, every time I go to uh, Indonesia, I'm always incredibly welcome, not only by the political leaders, but also by the military and by people in the hotel lobby. And sometimes I walk a bit in the street of Jakarta and uh, incredible the friendliness uh, towards me. Of course, not to say towards Shanana, you know. Uh, so that is the explanation for these uh, our first tremendously successful national healing, national reconciliation, and second, uh, uh, the uh, normalization of relations with Indonesia. Can I ask a follow-up uh, question on that? Uh, I, I remember very well when, when I was in government, uh, one of the uh, very sensitive issue was the call by uh, international groups uh, for an international tribunal for uh, people who were uh, involved in the violence uh, uh, in the 1999 uh, referendum and also those who were involved uh, in previous human rights violations uh, in East Timor. Uh, uh, what I found was a turning point was when uh, your side, uh, Sanana Guzmao uh, and, and yourself and others decided not to go that route, not to press for international tribunal, but to form a bilateral uh, commission on justice and friendship uh, to address these problems, right? I, I'm just, I mean, for historical record, I found this you know, quite uh, amazing. What was your reasoning? What, can, can you walk us through your, your line of thinking on how that, uh, uh, thinking process uh, evolved, yeah. Well, uh, one, I remember uh, uh, Shanana said once, if we want to start uh, a judicial process, where shall we start? Should we start with the civil war in Timor-Leste where we ourselves 
where no one else were engaged. Uh, should we uh, also uh, look into the crimes perpetrated by Fred Lim during the struggle uh, within the range of Fred Lim itself and many other violations? Uh, or we are just going to uh, try the ex militias and then, so he was, uh, he said something along these lines. But the fundamental uh, question is, uh, we understood the challenge Indonesia faced in the post-Watu era. In uh, transitioning to democracy, uh, in trying to heal the wound in Indonesia itself, among Indonesians, uh, and uh, any attempt by the international communities to impose uh, international tribunal would uh, not help uh, the transition process in Indonesia to democracy. It would exacerbate political situation in Indonesia. And uh, uh, I personally had uh, strong arguments with Kofi Annan, later with Ban Ki-moon, with Colin Powell in Washington, with uh, uh, many in the US Congress, because we have many friends in the US Congress, like Patrick Leahy, Senator Patrick Leahy, who you know, and many others, who were surprised why we were not uh, in favor of a special tribunal. And I explained along these lines. And uh, <clears throat> of course, in the Moleste, uh, vast majority of the people, they follow the leadership. And uh, Janana and me and the other. But there are some NGOs who uh, were not in favor of, of a uh, not supporting international tribunal, but that is okay. Yes. We have a diversity uh, of thinking in this country. Not everybody thinks the same, more or less, it's not North Korea, where everybody thinks the same. So, but uh, the prevailing uh, sentiment, uh, desire in the country is. We look back to honor the heroes and the martyrs. That's what we do. We look back to honor them. We don't look back to seek uh, the reasons for uh, revenge and the exclusion. So, and that's what uh, uh, prevailed. But in Timor Leste, we opted for two mechanisms one purely national, model on the South African uh, reconciliation uh, led by Delta Tutu, the later Delta Tutu, blessed by Mandela. And the other was a unique in the world where two countries uh, that were engaged in a conflict, even less in Indonesia, uh, officially agreed on a joint truth and reconciliation commission. Our was called Truth and the Friendship Commission. Five people, eminent from Indonesia, appointed by Indonesia president, five from the Molest, appointed by our president. So we started this very unique uh, process uh, that we follow a two track approach national conciliation, ours, and uh, with Indonesia. And both have been tremendously successful. And, uh, of course, there are still maybe some sentiments grievances, but uh, you know Indonesian citizens who are here, are thousands of Indonesian citizens, people they are best witnesses to the success. It is not a pure formality declaration on reconciliation, no. 
It is a true reconciliation that Indonesians feel in Timor Leste and Timorese feel in Indonesia. Thank you. Uh, I think um, that was an important uh, statement that you just made for uh, just made for historical uh, record. Uh, let me now turn to ASEAN. And and by the way, I want to say hello to uh, another good friend, uh, ambassador, your ambassador in Cambodia, Ermenegildo Lopez. I should tell you when I was uh, my first posting in London, I think 1995 or so. You know, I was in the second floor of my embassy and I had people storming my embassy, like jumping into the second floor and banging on on, on the door, on the windows, you know. I thought, oh my God, we're being attacked. And uh, one of them was uh, Ambassador Armen uh, Nagildo, right? He was a very, uh, very active uh, uh, activist, uh, uh, Tim Tim uh, East Timor activist. And now he's ambassador to Cambodia and also my good friend. So it's nice to see you, uh, Ambassador Lopez. Yeah. Uh, now let me turn to ASEAN. And I I'm just wondering, uh, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, East Timor Leste is going to be joining ASEAN. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I also was uh, part of the team that really pushed hard for Timor Leste to join ASEAN, and it wasn't easy, uh, as you know. You know, it was very painfully slow. Uh, there was some resistance, uh, a lot of questions, and so on. Were, were you surprised at how difficult it was? It has been for Timor Leste to join ASEAN, and also, can you tell us why does Timor Leste want to join uh, ASEAN? Uh, I tell you one thing, you know, uh, in 1974, I went to Jakarta, my first trip to Jakarta. I was only 25 or 24, I don't remember uh, exactly when in 74, how old I was, probably like 25, 24. Uh, I went to Kupang first and I met up with Gubernur, Brigadier General uh, El Tari whom I knew and became friends during the Portuguese time. And I had no money. Uh, arriving in Kupang, uh, El Tari, whom I had known, he liked me. He uh, uh, got me tickets uh, to travel to Jakarta. And he sent one of his uh, advisors, Luis Tapoli. Mm. Uh, I remember El Tari was telling Luis in front of me, Luis, you're going with Pacramos, look after him. Well, when I arrived in Jakarta, Luis Tavoli disappeared and uh, he went and joined Jakarta. <coughs> I was left uh, alone, but actually I was not alone. I was supported by Agus Parenguan, a compass journalist, Hari Kavilaran, Sina Narapan, and Saban Siachian, who gave me money in Jakarta. I went to see Pak Malik. I managed to see Pak Malik. I don't even remember how I managed to see Pak Malik. I went on a scooter. Can you imagine going to meet the foreign minister, famous Adantani on a scooter? I end up meeting three times with Pak Mali. I don't go much into that. Uh, during the discussion, I already discussed with Pak Mali the future independent team unless they would join ASEAN. And Pak Mali responded, yes, after independence, send your people to Zeplu to be trained here. So this is a uh, a dream of a quest of joining ASEAN goes back to the 
mid-70s. Of course, independence came in 2002, and uh, uh, at the time I was foreign minister, I already made approaches in that regard, but then formal application uh, was done in 2011. Yes, it has taken uh, that long. Uh, and I remember talking with some uh, Singaporean uh, uh, official, particularly I remember way back talking with uh, uh, Prime Minister Guachapton, later with uh, uh, Prime Minister Lee and so on. And uh, Singapore being uh, Singapore, very pragmatic. And uh, they are not negative. They are just being very pragmatic. and. Uh, and uh, in retrospect, Singapore was right that uh, it is not only a matter that Timor is entitled to join ASEAN. Of course, we are entitled by geography. We are part of Southeast Asia. One of the criteria for joining ASEAN is being part of Southeast Asia. The other criteria is that the country applying member is not member of other regional organizations. That particular clause was introduced by Indonesia itself because at that, uh, all these years there have been other countries trying to join ASEAN. Papua New Guinea, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, I don't know who else, but this country. And there were some arguments by some why Timor and not Papua New Guinea and, what, and not uh, Sri Lanka or Bangladesh. Well, precisely, they are not part of Southeast Asia. And they are already members of other organizations, Papua New Guinea, the Pacific Forum, and the others, uh, Sri Lanka and uh, Bangladesh, members of South Asia regional organization. So Timor Leste, part of Southeast Asia, and is not member of any other regional organization. Uh, so that means we have we fulfill all the requirements. But this is not enough, and in this regard, I would say Singapore is right, because we know the burden of meetings, of responsibilities that come from being a member of ASEAN. From my counting, uh, there are 800 to more than 1,000 meetings a year. And, uh, so we join ASEAN, it is our right to join, but right comes with responsibilities to uh, deliver it on our own. Responsibility. So this delay, in my view, uh, is uh, I think has been very fruitful. Was wise, and uh, since then we have made tremendous progress. There have been ASEAN assessment missions to Timor Leste. If it were not for COVID, uh, other missions have been, would have been would have come. We have hosted at least one ARF meeting or two ARF meetings successfully. Uh, more than 100 uh, ASEAN officials came here during the time from both the actual officials and their staff. Uh, so we are basically uh, just now waiting for that timing. Can be 2022, 23, 24. Uh, so that's, uh, and I have to say again, uh, Indonesia, particularly under President Susili Wamakwidiolu, when uh, the issue of Timor-Leste joining ASEAN has been, uh, was very forcefully uh, pushed by President Susilu and the court de Bru. This remains the position of Indonesia, but Malaysia uh, or 
also very supportive, very vocal. Cambodia, Philippines, uh, Thailand is very vocal. And, uh, and all other uh, ASEAN countries. So now there is no uh, uh, reticence reservation from anyone. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Let's move to uh, Myanmar. Yeah. Uh, you and I, uh, together, we hosted uh, the NGO summit uh, right after the coup uh, in Myanmar. And I remember uh, at that time, we were very skeptical about uh, the possibility uh, of, uh, of elections uh, or return to uh, democracy in Myanmar. And I think all our uh, uh, predictions uh, or concerns came true. Yeah. Uh, there are, until now, there are no clear path uh, to return Myanmar to uh, democracy. Yeah. I'm just wondering, um, what is your, your, your take on this? Uh, why, why has the military in Myanmar having a very difficult time to retire from politics, uh, as in the case of Indonesia. The military now is 100% out of politics, right? But that doesn't seem to happen in Myanmar. In fact, they are returning in full force to politics and uh, they seem to have no appetite or little understanding of what democracy is. Uh, so so what's, the, what's the end game? How, how do you think all this will, will, will play out, especially uh, now that Aung San Suu Kyi has been sentenced uh, to jail and more charges are coming and more of her supporters, uh, the pro-democracy politicians are uh, under trial. Yeah. I, I know uh, Myanmar very well. I know Suchi very well and many others uh, in uh, Myanmar, going back uh, more than 30 years. I first went to Myanmar Illegally in July 2000, uh, no, 2000 uh, no, not 2000, in July uh, 94. So in July 94, going through Thailand, Chiang Mai, and then by boat up the river and uh, landed in uh, Karen territory to do what? to conduct a two-week training program in human rights and diplomacy for more than 100 people from across Myanmar, NLD and all the ethnic groups. That's what I was doing. Uh, lecturing on the, the UN human rights system, the treaty bodies. I lectured on the techniques, on lobbying, uh, not only lobbying the UN, lobbying the US Congress and so on. I was almost arrested by, when I went back to uh, Thailand, almost arrested by the Thai uh, authorities. Because by then they knew I had uh, entered, uh, I entered Thailand legally, but I left illegally. I mean, I went through, not through the formal border. Anyway, so I know the country well. Over the years, I followed the situation there. And Matt uh, went to Myanmar uh, as former president several times. Always had meetings with Su Chi. I gave public lectures in Myanmar uh, more than once. And uh, 
what I would say is that uh, first, remarkable the resilience of the people of Myanmar, uh, extraordinary the widespread resistance to the military coup by the people. And the people very disappointed with the international community and understandably. Uh, but also, I'm very pleased to see Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, particularly uh, leading uh, the process to uh, restore democracy in Myanmar, which shows the changes in Southeast Asia. It shows the changes in uh, Indonesia, in Malaysia, even Singapore. And uh, I was very pleasantly surprised and uh, congratulate Indonesia for the moral, political, diplomatic leadership on Myanmar. And of course, I also commend uh, Prime Minister Lee for the courageous stance taken by uh, Singapore, because Singapore has invested tens of billions of dollars in Myanmar when democracy was uh, restored in 2015. And the billions of dollars from Myanmar invested in, in, in Singapore. And yet, in spite of that, it didn't stop Singapore from taking an ethical uh, stance in uh, condemning the, the coup. Uh, we all know uh, how difficult it is, uh, the situation in Myanmar, if it were easy, it would have been resolved already. But I guarantee uh, that uh, in the end, the Myanmar military has to be has to back down for their own survival. Uh, take lessons from Indonesia transition to democracy. The fear of the military in Myanmar is that uh, changes in Myanmar would mean many military leaders would end up in an international tribunal or in a domestic uh, tribunal and uh, jail and lose all their economic interests that are vast. Okay. Uh, so uh, eventually, I hope that the ASEAN leadership diplomacy will, be, will succeed in persuading the Myanmar military to back down uh, and uh, release Suu Kyi and all political leaders. And only then, Upon releasing Sochi and other political leaders, then uh, do mediation negotiations. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the initial phases of the negotiation doesn't have to be direct face to face. There is a so called uh, proximity talks whereby the parties in conflict they don't actually meet, but there is one envoy whether ASEAN envoy or whether it is uh, the UN, who go from uh, city to city or go from hotel to hotel. The parties involved in the conflict, they stay in different hotels. They don't meet yet face to face. And uh, that's what's called the proximity talks. It can start like that. Uh, but Myanmar authorities have first to honor their disagreement uh, their respect, the implementation of the five point issued by ASEAN and the, the military leaders. Mm. Other than that, we just have to be very patient and persistent. Thank you for tuning in to Eyes on Southeast Asia. 
follow our social media handle at FPC Indo and subscribe to our YouTube channel Sekretariat FPCI for more updates on our upcoming activities and programs. See you on the next episode.